Good morning, church. So, yes, just bringing you another verse of scripture. Um, I don't know how you understand Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I, I wonder if that might be our prayer this morning, that we might believe together that indeed God's word is alive and active, that by his spirit, God brings his word to bear upon us. And if we are open, his word can judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. That we would be okay with God doing that, that it would be okay for God to examine us this morning. That through his word, he would be allowed to look at and judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. So we are continuing our series on Jeremiah, but we are also celebrating Pentecost, so there's a lot to jam in there. And um, just so that we know where we're heading in this message, um, I'm going to ask if I could have some volunteers, um, some volunteers that want to have some fun, do something fun up here for a moment and help me out. I need some volunteers to help us celebrate Pentecost. Um, Anyone with a childlike heart, doesn't have to be a child, just childlike heart, That is, people who can still approach um, life with wonder, people who know they have limitations and are okay with being dependent. Anyone with a childlike heart? And um, if if any children uh, six years and below may need to be accompanied by parents. Oh, hang on, how many are we going to get? I can't have more than 20. Or maybe 10. Okay, it's lucky because you guys are doing the fun thing, these guys are going to do something less fun. Um, oh, sorry, shouldn't say that. Uh, fun's relative term. Um, you might be doing something fun. Uh, so the rest of you, while I just sort of prep these guys, there's a few of you, um, <laughs> um, the rest of you, if you could um, look at this, uh, no, look at this. Um, Now, I know the writing's quite small. I want you to just um, gaze your eyes upon that and I want you to try and reorientate yourself back into the world of Jeremiah. And if you could just check with the people around you, where do you think Jeremiah fits on this timeline? Um, Can you read it? Okay. Well, it's a timeline of God's people and when it divides, that's when there's a division in the kingdom. You've got the northern kingdom Israel, southern kingdom Judah, Um, And then when Judah dips at the bottom, that's when they go into exile to Babylon. And when it comes back up, that's the return of the exiles. And hey, you can't fit from creation to the new heavens on the new earth on one slide. It's very difficult. (laughs) So there it is. So chat amongst yourselves, situate where Jeremiah is. And I have another question for you. You see, God's people, both then and today, God's people then and God's people in the last days, you can also chat amongst yourself as to when the last days are, have always been a people called to be set apart and holy, to come under God's rule and bring blessing to all. What is the advantage that the people in the last days have to fulfil their call? What is the advantage that the people in the last days have over and above the people who came before the last days? Okay, chat amongst yourselves. I'm going to chat with these people. Turn my mic off for a moment. 
Okay, how'd you go? You've um, situated Jeremiah? Yes? So Jeremiah was um, doing his prophetic ministry prior to um, the exile of Judah. So somewhere around just before the dip and during the dip he was also ministering. And so he was ministering prior to the exile and also during the exile. And, um, and so that's hopefully you've situated where Jeremiah is. Um, how'd you go with um, thinking about what, what, what advantage do we have as people in the last days? The last days, by the way, uh, is between when Jesus came and when he will come again. Um, the last days. So if, if, you, if you mentioned the Holy Spirit, you're spot on. It was promised that in these last days God would pour out his spirit and that on the day of Pentecost when God poured out his spirit upon the disciples, which has often, as Andrew mentioned, been called the birthday of the church. So I just want to say, happy birthday, church! Yay! We got them all? Okay, thank you, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, I don't know if I'm responsible for the cleanup. I suppose I might be. <laughs> so in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 to 18, in, these, in the last days, God says, this is Peter, as we heard in our first reading, um, pointing them to the prophet Joel. In these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, if you mentioned as another advantage Jesus, like a good Sunday school student would have, that's an extra point. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. I hope the smell isn't affecting anyone. I just realised, just no, in all seriousness, I hope there's nobody with issues. Um, um, so in these last days, God has spoken to us by a son, by his son. That is that in, in Jesus, we have the ultimate revelation of God's love and God's grace. Through Jesus, we are set free to serve and love God in a way like those before didn't have. Now that party popper stunt... Um, which it was, it was just a stunt, um, isn't quite the right tone for where we're going to start, actually. So we're about to wade through some deep waters before we move to the celebration of Pentecost. And so I'm asking you to join with me. We have been um, sitting and waiting in this theme of breaking up. Uh, Jeremiah is a long book. Uh, so is this series. Uh, we have two more weeks to go. And I don't think it's an accident that it's a long book and I don't think it's an accident that we've got a long series. 
we have been sitting and waiting in this theme of breaking up. As individuals and a world turn their back on God, we experience fractured and broken lives. Fractured personalities, broken families, broken communities, and broken nations. We see this in the people of God that Jeremiah is speaking to. That as they turn away from God, we see some of these things happen. We've looked at false prophets. We've looked at the heart of people being willing to deceive, self-deception. And in all this brokenness, dare I say it, there are broken churches. Sometimes this is a result of our direct sin and other times we just share in the suffering of a broken world under judgment of a holy and just God. Can I ask you, how do you identify your brokenness this morning? How do you identify or how do you experience your brokenness this morning? Do you experience any of your brokenness as a result of your sin? One of the things I was ordained to do and, was supposed to, and is supposed to do quite regularly is declare to God's people God's forgiveness. If I'm to regularly declare God's forgiveness to his people, that has the underlying assumption that God's people regularly declare or confess, I should say, their sins. Do you experience any of your brokenness as a result of your sin? How do we as a church understand our brokenness right now? What I mean is, do we recognise that we are indeed a broken people? Do we recognise that we don't love the Lord our God with all our heart. God will often use the brokenness of our lives and situations to reveal to us the state of our own heart. If God's people will sit in that place and allow him to examine them, he'll reveal to us the state of our heart. He knows that if we let him do this, he knows that in response we could turn to him with all our heart and we can begin to heal and be made whole. If it's true that today we have advantages over God's people who lived without the revelation of salvation in Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Why is it sometimes that we don't seem to experience the transformation we desire? If we have an advantage, why is it that sometimes we don't experience the transformation we desire? You see, I think the conditions needed to receive the Holy Spirit, and there are conditions in order to receive the Holy Spirit, I think they're the same conditions needed 
to fan into flame the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer for transformation. Let me say that again. The conditions needed to receive the Holy Spirit in the first place are the same conditions needed to fan into flame the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer for transformation. So the Holy Spirit is alive in the believer, but there are certain conditions that enable the Spirit to be fanned into flame to do the transformative work that God's Spirit is there to do. And we're going to turn to the letter to the exiles that Jeremiah sends to look at these conditions. It's the same conditions that a believer needs to receive the Holy Spirit. These same conditions need to be at work in the believer for the Holy Spirit to do his transformative work. And so I believe that in Jeremiah's letter to the exiles, we will see the conditions needed to become a transformed people. In verses 4 to 9, so the, the start of our reading, it was just an introduction saying this is a letter to Jer- Jeremiah's in Jerusalem, letters being sent to the exiles. So some people have remained in Jerusalem, some were exiled, and so Jeremiah is writing a letter to them. And I think in verses 4 to 9, Jeremiah speaks the words of the Lord, which may be contrary to what the people want or expect to hear. So Jeremiah is speaking words that I think are contrary to what the people want to expect to hear. So Jeremiah says things like, build houses and settle down and plant gardens. They've just faced the atrocities of war. They've been ripped from their homeland. They're in the homeland of their enemies. And Jeremiah says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens. Marry and have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, last week, Andrew was talking about false prophets. There were false prophets, not only who also went into exile, there were false prophets back in Jerusalem. So Jeremiah's writing, and he's competing against these false prophets both in Jerusalem and in Babylon. In Jerusalem, if you look just a chapter before, you'll read about the prophet Hananiah. Hananiah is telling the people there in Jerusalem, God is going to break the yoke of Babylon and God is going to bring back the people in two years' time. Jeremiah is saying something very different. This is going to be a long stay, guys, some 70 years. You better settle down build houses, have families, and seek the peace and prosperity of this city, for in its prosperity is yours. In um, verses 8 and 9, we read, Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you, Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Listen carefully to that. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. (laughs) 
They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. When the people are going astray and leaders don't lead, it never ends well. When the people are going astray and leaders don't lead, and that's a difficult place to be in, and the reality in in God's church, I hope we're okay with this, all of our hearts go astray, yeah? So we all come under the word of God and together we're seeking to come back to hearing and listening to what God's saying. We're always needing to do that. It's part of actually what our worship does for us. It realigns us back into being God's will. That God's will can be done in us, through us, and that we ourselves become the will of God. Sometimes it can feel like we are living in exile, as though we are out of favour with God. But it's in these times that we have these experiences that it's a good time to examine our own hearts and repent. You see, as Jeremiah speaks these things, what you see is the revealing of the heart of this people. These people don't seek God. These people seek their own way. And what they're invited into is a response to repent, to turn away from their way, to have a change of heart. And this is the condition that even a person that has not received the Holy Spirit needs to come to, a repentance, that my way is not the way. They need to have a complete change of heart, that there's something fundamentally wrong with us before we can receive the Holy Spirit. As we move on to the next verses, in verses 10 to 14, Jeremiah declares the Lord's goodness in the midst of judgment. Jeremiah declares the Lord's goodness in the midst of judgment. And why is this important? Well, as um, Ruth mentioned, we have those famous verses, don't we? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, You may have heard that, you may have seen that printed on a mug or a bookmark or a poster or in a bumper sticker. Someone may have sent it to you through social media in some shape, way or form. This verse, um, Andrew mentioned in his first sermon, uh, has overtaken John 3.16 in popularity. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you posted that in social media, there's a lot more to explain. You're talking about judgment, life and death issues, Jesus. It's so much nicer to just say, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Uh, The way that sometimes that verse is abused is, is from an individualistic sort of place where this is a word given to God's people We take it and we say, God is blessing whatever's happening in my life. This is a part of God's good purposes and plans for me. That's somehow how it's misapplied. But I'm not having a go at those of you that love that verse because I love that verse and it came to me in a time when I needed to hear it. And, And I didn't know the context of it, but I believe that the Holy Spirit sometimes can commend things to us even without our understanding. 
uh, quite being there, to understand the context from which it came. But the way that it came to me was in a time when it was dark for me. And I needed to know that God was good, actually. I needed to know that ultimately God was good. His plans for me ultimately were for my good. And that I needed to get on board with what those plans were. And why is it important for us to know that God is good? Oswald Chambers says, The root of all sin is the suspicion that God is not good. The root of all sin is the suspicion that God is not good. What happens in the Garden of Eden? Satan says to Adam and Eve, um, surely you will not die. God knows that when you eat of this, you shall be like him. What just happened? A seed, this sneaking suspicion that God is not good. God's holding something back. God's just wanting to be a party pooper. Rain on our parade. There's such a strong need and reminder that God is good. His judgments are good. This people have 70 years to reflect, to consider the condition and state of their heart. It might lead them to do those verses that follow verse 11. These verses are not so often quoted. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So God will listen to us when we call upon him and come and pray to him. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God wants us to get on board with his plans. He wants us to have a change of heart, to repent and believe. You see, it's so important to know that God is good because it provides the grounds for our heart to trust. So it doesn't matter what we say with our words, if deep down we have this sneaking suspicion that God isn't good, sin will have its way. But if God is good and this is wrong, then what God has for me must be better. The conditions of repent and believe are not only what's needed to receive the Holy Spirit, but are the same conditions needed to fan into flame the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer for transformation. So you receive the Holy Spirit by repenting and believing. You fan into flame the work of the Holy Spirit in your life through repentance and belief. We continue to repent. We continue to recognise that we don't love the Lord our God with all our heart. Why don't you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Why? Because you love other things. We love other things. We have other loves. That's why we don't love the Lord our God with all our heart. There are other things we love. We love approval. We love gadgets. We love all these other preferences for how we want life to be. We, have all the, we love the preference, preferences for how we want church to be. We love so many other things more than we love God. 
So how can we love the Lord our God with all our heart unless we allow God to examine us, to reveal to us those things that need to be repented of and we keep repenting of them as we need to. All of us are broken. There isn't one of us that is, that's made it there yet. Otherwise, the new heavens and the new earth have already come. Who else in this congregation knows what you're working on? Who else in this congregation knows what your other loves are that are stopping you from giving all of your heart to God? Because this is what it means to allow God to examine our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to live the life God has called us to. That is without a doubt. Jesus' final words to his disciples in Luke's Gospels are, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So God's people, before the exile, were called to be a separate people, a holy people, uh, through Abraham, the promise was that blessing would come to all nations through God's people. Now that they are an exiled people, still they're called to be a blessing in this city, in the city of their enemies. Jesus, giving this mission to his disciples, knows that they need God to carry out this mission, to live the life that God has called them to. The Holy Spirit is God's transforming presence in us and we need the Holy Spirit to be at work in us for healing, for wholeness, in order that we might fulfil our calling to be a blessing. When we are honest with ourselves, we realise that we do not seek God with all our heart. And when we do that, we begin to see that our heart has other loves and only when we repent of these other loves and believe and see our relationship with Jesus as the surpassing worth, only then is the Holy Spirit free to continue his transform transform transformative work in us. We're going to have an opportunity to respond to this message and it will happen in this way. I'm going to lead us in our intercessions. After that, I'm going to invite the music team up. And while the music team are singing and the congregation can be singing at that time, I'm going to invite people to come up and pray. There are some people, there'll be four pairs of people up the front. And they'll pray two very simple prayers. They will pray, come Holy Spirit and empower your servant and you will have introduced yourself by name to them. And as strange as it might be, these people, you might think they know you. I want you to introduce yourself anyway, by name, because God knows you by name. And so they're going to pray, come Holy Spirit and empower your servant. And then the other person's going to pray, loving God, fill this person with more of your presence. Amen. And then you can move on. I want it to be in the same way that you would come up and receive grace through communion. It's no different.
the imperative in the, gospel, in, in the New Testament to be filled with the Holy Spirit is actually a continual idea. It's continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but then we continue to be filled. And it's not just an empowering we're asking for. We're asking for more of God in our lives. And that's what we're doing when we repent and believe the good news. We're asking for more of God in our lives. We're repenting of these other loves and we're saying we want more of God in our lives. I believe you, God. I believe the good news about Jesus. I believe that you are my life. I believe that you are my satisfaction. And so I'm going to lead us now in our intercessions. And you may even want to have a chat to your children during this time. Some of them may want to respond, might want to explain to them this opportunity that they may have. So let us pray for the world, for the church, for ourselves and those in need. Holy Spirit, come and renew the face of the earth. We give thanks, almighty God, for the beauty and wonder of your creation. Make us wise and good stewards of the resources of this earth. Enable leaders around the world to serve the common good and not with self-interest and incline us to pray for them. Make the heart of our nation grateful and generous with the wealth and good gifts you have given us and let your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Come Holy Spirit and renew the face of the earth. Holy Spirit, come, empower and make your church holy. We give thanks to you, Lord Jesus, for drawing us into your community of love through your sacrifice on the cross. Heal the divisions of your church. Purify its message by the gospel of grace and sustain and empower our ministry to a world in need of you. Especially strengthen and comfort those who face severe persecution and suffering for the sake of your name, Jesus. Also, we particularly hold up to you, Kerry, Bethany and Irene, as we partner with them in mission. Be their defender and provider according to all their needs. And Father, may the assurance and confidence of your love for us in Christ grow in Tim and Mark and Chris, who wasn't here today. And may their commitment and reaffirmation in the faith of the church encourage us all in our own commitment to you. Come, Holy Spirit, empower and make your church holy. Holy Spirit, come, heal and make us whole by your presence. We give thanks, loving God, for the communities in which we work, learn and live. Enable us to be an expression of your transforming presence that others would know your healing touch. Be especially with those who are in great need in our community here. Be with them in confusion and pain. Heal the wounds of body and mind. Break open the prisons of fear, self-doubt and despair and strengthen them to face the future with faith, hope and courage. And fill each of us with the peace and joy that comes from your eternal presence. Come Holy Spirit, heal and make us whole by your presence. Trusting in your goodness, we offer all these our prayers to you, O God, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
I invite the music team up. Thank you. And so as the music team comes up, um, I'd encourage you, yeah, to take this opportunity to have the body of Christ pray for you that you might have more of God in your life. You might be empowered for the call that God has on your life. And so I'm going to invite those that are praying also to come up and stand. Thank you.